This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill är så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who did not name their podcast as well as our guests today for this bonus episode. Uh, I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. We've got a really fun show planned. First, of course, let me introduce the fantasy hockey robot. My very best friend, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. So glad to be here for a bonus little pre- like this is preseason. We are yeah. in preseason. We're a week away from the season. There are no games, but this is preseason. Training camp lines have started rolling in and have provided a lot up to chew on. Some of it like total garbage and junk food, but it's been fun and we'll we'll bat some of it around tonight. Yeah, it's going to be great. We've got line combinations from every team, and we're just going to kind of go through every team, or actually only half of the teams, because then we're going to be switching over to another podcast feed where you're going to have to hear the second half of the teams, because joining us are Gamby and Brandon from the Fantasy Hockey Podcast. You already know them. We did this last year, so we're bringing them back. We're doing it again. We're going to cover the North Division and the West Division on this show, and then we're going to switch over and do the Central and the East over on Fantasy Hockey podcast but first of course let me introduce our guests uh brandon and gabby hello welcome guys guys? good to be here again (laughs) yeah i guess probably if i was a better host i would have been like brandon and then you would have talked (laughs) then but uh well here we are preseason in january right like the most normal year that we could have uh expected here it's uh (laughs) weird everything is everything is normal at this point like if if there's a (laughs) mess up i expect it at this point it it was a normal (laughs) day all the wacky lines we've been seeing right Definitely. The, some lines are so weird. It's like, yeah. you, we have to, I guess part of, like, we should give the caveat right off the top that as we go through these teams, like, we're not saying that we actually think these are going to be the lines, even if, and even if these lines do last into like game one, doesn't mean that it's going to last all season. So take any, I don't know, hot takes that we get from it with a grain of salt, but still interesting to see what the coach is thinking at this point in time as we go yeah. through it. Stop making like- trades. Stop it. <laughs> I, I've, I've Wait, seen so many you- trades. I want to trade Charlie McAvoy. I dropped him for Grizzly. It's like, just relax. Just, I want to, I want to trade Giordano for Rasmus Anderson. Like, stop, just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually our concupful moves, uh, like for keeping Carlson ultimate patron fantasy league open tonight. And like, I, I'm, I don't know what to do. 
Like I can overreact to everything, like just in case, or I can just like sit and wait because I'm sure by the time we get to the start of the season, everything's going to loop back around, which is still what makes this a legitimate preseason, right? Like normally at this time, we'd be just going cuckoo or we wouldn't be, but some people might be going cuckoo for preseason performances. And we'd be like, just hold on. Like, don't, don't overreact. Don't get too excited. So now we get to do that, but just with words in tweets from, <laughs> from scrimmages. Brian, I think what you should do is you should spend $20 fab and add Joe Thornton to your team because uh, all of a sudden the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sheldon Keefe has come out with a, like out of a rocket ship, just like blowing everything up. Like I think one of the most common things we've known about the Leafs is like, first of all, they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And second of all, Zach Hyman is going to be playing uh, in the top six and taking up one of those spots. But like, no, they traded for Joe Thornton over the summer. We assumed to be a bottom six guy, but no, like the lines at practice as of yesterday, today's Wednesday, by the way, Wednesday, January 6th, because these are probably gonna go out of date really quickly. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, Matthews, Marner, Thornton, that's the top line, Tavares, Nylander, and Jimmy VC. We were talking about like, it'll probably be Mikheyev on one line and, and Hyman on the other, then maybe like Robertson. We're looking at Thornton and Jimmy VC as top sixers on the league. So this is crazy. And yeah, so I guess, David, like, are, are you rushing to grab Thornton and or VC in your fantasy leagues? No, I mean, well, so Thornton's an interesting one. I thought Thornton was a weird top line decision, but then Elliot Friedman in 31 thoughts or 30 thoughts, I forget exactly what the number is. It's I have completely 31. blanked on it, but it's a 31. It's 31. Okay. Thank you, Brandon. Of course, Brandon knows because he knows everything. It's the number of but, teams in the league, man. You're right. I oh, so it'll next be year. 32. So yeah. just get ready for that. I'll, I'll get ready. Change. Okay. Next year, I'll say 31 or 32 and Brandon can correct me again. Yes. But anyways, so in 31 thoughts, Friedman had said that apparently Leafs management actually sold that top line spot and playing with Matthews and Marner to Thornton as part of the pitch to get him on the team. So to me, it feels less like an experiment and more like something almost Sheldon Keefe's hand is forced to do. The VC one makes no sense to me and that one I'm not moving on. The Thornton one to me, feels not permanent, but a little bit more sticky than it seemed at first after I read that. I don't know. I I think his complete inability to be able to keep up is going to affect that line eventually. (laughs) But okay. To be fair though, we've said that in Edmonton who uh, like who won, how many Patrick Maroon, when he was playing with David, the slowest man on the planet, cannot skate and somehow he kept that top line spot. So I don't know. All he had had to do is stand in front of the net and just like, let people hit him with stuff. Right. Like (laughs) the dude is probably leads league in butt goals. Which is uh, which should be a category in all fantasy leagues, but yeah. Absolutely. So you so you don't think Thornton? You think Thornton's too old? Is what you're saying? I wish we had data on like average skating speed or like top speed that's on the ice. It's coming sometime in the next 45 years uh, when the NHL figures out their biometric data. But so so you're not buying. Uh, like even if Thornton does stick there, you're not buying. Well, what I'll say is, first of all, I, the quote I heard is like Yarmer Yager was effective at the age of 42 on the. Panthers top line like a few years back so why can't Thornton but I guess my response will be at least for fan I, I hope it works out for the Leafs right I, I live in Toronto I want things to go well Joe Thornton's such a cool guy like I'd love to see this work out but like even if he stays in the top line all season what's like the upside for fantasy are we looking at like Henrik Sedin in his last season he was on the top line on Vancouver and he got some assists but for most fantasy leagues just a guy who gets you a few assists like no shots on goal he's probably not going to get you power play points so even if he's on that line, I still don't really want him. Like if he's going to get f- f- a pace for 40 assists and five goals, it's probably not worth it to have him on yeah. your fantasy team. You'd imagine yeah, like agree. best case scenario for him, he's below replacement level in every single category except for assists. So you yeah. might be able to find 
some way that that works out in a points league and a cats league, it seems like doomsday to me. Yeah. And I don't think he's getting on the power play either. Right. Which would be the saving grace for somebody who does like, like even Henrik Sedin late in his career still had that role. Thornton is going to be missing that. I think I assume, I mean, I won't rule anything out. One thing that they do have in common though, uh, like, like a guy like Sedin and Thornton is they do adapt their game as they've gotten older, right? They're, they're set up men and they just sort of know where to be and how to get there in the most efficient way because they can't quite do it as as aggressively or quickly as they once might've been able to. But honestly, Thornton's five on five numbers, all he's done over the last like five years is shoot less. Otherwise, everything has been like pretty consistent in terms of his production. But if he loses that power play role, which I mean, he's all but certain to, then yeah, just getting those assists and nothing else probably isn't going to be worth a whole lot of fantasy value. Yeah. By the way, yeah. we have a, a bunch of teams to go through. So we, maybe we should start like implementing like a three minute rule per team. But the Leafs obviously that might be more. I, that might be. Yeah, of course, the Leafs. Uh, everyone <laughs> is really only listening to this episode. I heard North, and they're like Leafs. That's it. That's all okay. I want to hear. All right. So those people can turn off the podcast now. But the rest <laughs> of us, we're going to move over to Calgary now. Also, players that I did not expect to be in the top six. As of I'm. By the way, I'm lo- using this website that I made, uh, GameDayLineTweets.com, where you can go and just look at tweets. Obviously, there's lots of sources out there for lines. I just really like seeing the actual tweet because then if, it, if it's wrong you don't blame me you blame the person who made the tweet in this case it's pat steinberg who tweeted some Cal- uh, calgary flames lines today and they, so elias lindholm not up on the top line with gaudreau and monahan he's centering the second line and today was josh levo playing with monahan and gaudreau and then lindholm was with kachuk and dominic simone who was acquired as a free agent if you guys recall he was on pittsburgh last year sometimes played with crosby apparently crosby said he likes playing with dominic simone so maybe i don't know lindholm and kachuk were like all right let's try it out so anyway that's the situation I don't know where Backland is. Yeah, I'm sure. so I'm, I'm actually going to cut in, Elon, because Pat Steinberg tweeted two sets of lines. There's group one and group two. Oh, right. So you've got in the other group, like, where's Backland? Where's Mount Japani? Uh, they're in group two with Sam Bennett and Dylan Dube and Derek Ryan and Milan Lucic. So, like, I don't know exactly what you can grab when a team oh. is is running these two separate groups of players, although it is interesting to see them experimenting. Like they have all their pieces of their top line in that first group, Gaudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm, and yet they're on separate lines. And Elon, you shared with me, that's one concern you have about drafting Lindholm this year is that he is going to get bounced from that top line again. uh, And it's going to stick too long for him to be interesting to you. Uh, Fantasy hockey Uh, podcast guys. uh, Wait, but Brian, you're putting words in my mouth. If if Lindholm (laughs) is centering Matthew Kachuk, then that's not so concerning because Matthew Kachuk might even be better than Gajo and Monaghan. But yeah, also I should just mention quickly these group A's and group B's. I think from what I've seen, it's like still like probably the lines. Like probably what we're looking at is like Kachuk, Lindholm, Simone, Gajo, Monaghan, Levo, Mangiapani, Backlund, and Derek Ryan, and then Lucic with Bennett and Dylan Dubé. So yeah, uh, Gamby, I don't know if you want to start like who, anyone interesting? Like Dominic Simone, Josh Levo, both of them playing on some pretty exciting lines. All it shows me, I think, is just how terrible the right wing depth is for Calgary. More than anything, is just they have no right wing depth. I don't, I think the most interesting one, there's two interesting ones to me, and I'll let Brandon take the second one because I know he wants to talk about him. Uh, The first one is a winger, or not a winger, I guess he was, is the move for Lindholm to center is a little concerning to me. Sure, he's with Kachuk, but does moving from a wing to center affect him, you know, from a point production standpoint? I don't know if it will, but it is something that 
I guess I'd watch, right? And even though he's with Kachuk, I'm not sure I like that as much with him being a center versus a wing, especially with Goudreau and Monaghan. Um, as far as like the actual wings themselves, personally, no one really excites me. Also because none of them are going to be on the top power play. So none of them come with power play upside. The Flames last year weren't that great at producing <laughs> five on five. So like, I'm not that excited about it. Um, and then the second guy, obviously, that excites me the most is probably Rasmus Anderson at this point. And I'll let Brandon talk about him because Brandon loves Rasmus Anderson. And I know he has plenty of words about him. Oh, you're going to give. OK, I think yeah, you I think can you can go. We can start with Rasmus Anderson. <laughs> I, I don't like him at all for this season. Uh, really? I think maybe long term. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that. He's getting top power play. Come on. I think and the then, only reason he got top power play is because Giordano was skating with a different group. He just wasn't out with the people that were playing top power play. I don't. I've been bamboozled. I don't. Elon is biting his tongue so hard to say that Rasmus Anderson isn't going to start on the power play because Yusuf Alamaki. <laughs> yeah. is. That is, that's not where you're going with this, Brandon, is it? It's not. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that either one of Anderson or Valimaki is in line to take top power play. I don't know if it happens this season. I certainly don't think it happens game one. Um, a couple other things. I, you know, we talked about the right wing depth. I don't understand why, why the move from Lindholm to center is something they even want to do. Just from a coach, I, I don't really see the upside in that. Like you saw such good chemistry with Backlund and, and Kachuk on that second line. Didn't slow Kachuk down at all. Backlund's a great two-way, two-way guy. And you saw Kachuk upside on the power play. So why do you need to change this? And if so, like who, why is, why make, like this isn't even a fantasy play, but like putting Backlund on the third line seems like a waste to me. Like maybe you swap, maybe you play Monaghan on the, on the right wing, give him a shot over there or or something, but I don't really see why you you disrupt a really effective second line for funsies or whatever's happening over here. But I agree. so I, I think I have a I feel like what's going to happen is we see a pretty similar top six last season, and this is like a, like an extended tryout for Simone and Levo and these guys to see if they can make something happen on that right wing. Um, but I, I you they have the pieces. Why mess it up? Is, is my even if they did have a weird year last season. I mean, the season before that, they were like completely opposite. They were all over the place, scoring like crazy, couldn't be stopped. And then they overcorrected and didn't score at all. And now, I don't know. Right. <laughs> they still seem like they have the right pieces to me. <laughs> now I still expect that to like balance out and they'll find some equilibrium between that season two years ago and the season before. But I'm totally with you on, on why would you mess with that second line? Like I don't, like Lindholm seemed to be best on the top line and you have Kachuk, Backlund, Manjapani who can handle their own business or Dylan Dubé if you want. Uh, I don't see much of a need. I like Simone and Levo are both guys who we've, uh, we haven't chased them, but we've definitely been into the possibility that they could be great third wheels on a line with two good players, uh, Levo in Vancouver and Simone in Pittsburgh. Uh, neither one really panned out, although Simone really did put up good. Like I still, he's the one I have more faith in, um, but I don't, I, I feel like you're right. Like you guys, what you guys are saying about them, just seeing what they've got with their right wing possibilities if they do want to break up the top line just to answer what Lindholm can do at center. Um, he did play about 20 games last season with Kachuk and Manjapani uh, in those uh, 20, I, I put it to about 23 games is as far as I was able to like narrow it down to. He had 10 even strength points for comparison, the 29 games before that also 10 even strength points. Uh, the Flames had an awful start to the season, but then the 16 games when he went back uh, to the top line and played on the right side, he had uh, another 10 even strength points, but only in 16 games. So his production is not as good 
from center as it is on right wing. And you can attribute that to playing with not Goudreau and Monaghan, or you can uh, attribute it to his position. Uh, But I I think it would be really hard, Elon, to make the argument that he's just as good (laughs) in the middle just because Matt Kachuk is with him. Well, also, I would say that I'm not going to put too much stock into like these two 20 game groups yeah. that you're bringing up. So like, I'd like to see a full season and see what he could do. But uh, I, you're right. We obviously we have to move on. I know we could talk about the Flames forever. <laughs> this, uh, by, uh, they were referencing, by the way, I didn't bring it up that Derek Wills did tweet out some power play lines a couple of days ago. Chuck Lindholm, Monaghan, Goudreau and Rasmus Anderson, t- uh, quarterback in that top power play. But we've heard that we don't think it'll last. I think it might. I think it might last. I think Jordan has been telegraphed that he's on, he's on his way out. Like, uh, I don't think they wanted to power quarterback, but why speculate? One day we'll find out, and that day will be very soon. So let's go to the Edmonton Oilers now. And they, again, like, uh, these are shocking. Uh, I don't even know. I think the teams are just messing with us a little bit. Like, this is from January 4th already is the, the most recent I could find. So maybe they already have changed their plans. But, like, last year, the main thing I remember is Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and RNH were amazing together when McDavid was out. And then I guess they got eliminated from the playoffs in that first round. And maybe that's enough for them to decide, no, we're going back to another exciting uh, trio. I remember when McDavid and Ryan, Nugent, well, whenever anyone's with McDavid, they're awesome. And I remember Ryan Nugent Hopkins was super excited when he was with McDavid going into this year. I was thinking, I think that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to have a breakout year. Cause he's going to play all year with dry And now I'm like a little bit like bamboozled, like, Oh, he's not, but Oh, but he's with McDavid. So I'm still as excited about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And so it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, McDavid and Zach Cassian, and then Tyler Ennis with dry and Yamamoto. So to me, the guys that jump, out here are Cassian and Ennis sneaking into the top six and I guess Yamamoto sticking with dry saddles always a good thing I was a little worried that maybe Pugliarvi can bump someone but I guess well I mean it's, this is like day one lines but that's what we've, what we've got so far I, I feel did like take we a tried this Ennis on, I did take a late run grab on Pugliarvi in a in at least one of our listener leagues so far yeah we did one. but um it's more of a like a hope right like he's very short leash we need to I want to see something earlier I'm not going to bother but uh, Cassian, we've seen be effective on that top. I mean, effective on that top right wing. Good enough, especially for cats leagues. Uh, Ennis, I think has been underrated for a long time. So if he can stay on that second left wing, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up numbers, but I don't know if that would translate to fantasy relevant numbers or not. Uh, yeah, Moda's fun. I think they should definitely be having him in the top power play unit instead of chase on, which they have lately. But again, I don't, I don't get to coach these teams. So, uh, but I, I do think that Yamamoto has got to be the most exciting right winger, but he's also the most drafted. It's not like he's just hanging around out there. Um, and yeah. then the next up for me would, would be taking a stab at Pooley Yarby and then Cassian if you need him. But Ennis, I think again, upside is there, but like, I don't really, I wouldn't draft him. I wouldn't even, I might put him on a watch list in case he goes off in the first few games, but I, I just I feel like the likelihood of him staying second line for longer than like a third of the season is pretty low just because I think they're going to keep trying different players out to see who clicks the best with Dreisaitl. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think Cassian last year kept his spot for the most part of the season, if I remember correctly. So I don't think we're going to really see Cassian be bumped off of that spot. I think they like having that Tom Wilson-ish type player on the top line. Um, so that's why Cassian keeps that spot, it seems like. And I feel like the Ennis thing, we, have we not been here before? Have we not tried Ennis on the second line with Dreisaitl before? I feel like... I feel like I'm having deja vu and we've tried this Ennis experiment with Dreisaitl before. And then it always ends up just going back to McDavid Dreisaitl. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, so I don't know if that sticks. I think, a, I think a pool party Dreisaitl Yamamoto line would be 
quite a yeah. line. That'd be fun. That'd be exciting. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping we get that line just because I want to see it. I don't really think it's necessarily the best thing for the Oilers, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. So I don't know. I think that there's something there to potentially, and I also feel like Yama, you could switch Yamamoto and Puyo Yarvi and it'd be the same thing. Like, I don't know which one they end up going with. I feel like by end of camp, it could be either one of those two that gets second line. So yeah, like I think, like Brandon said, I think if you're late in a draft, like Puglia Yarby is a good gamble because I think he has maybe potentially two spots he can take on that second line. The question is if Drysaddle stays there. I think if RNH goes down there, it might not be as fun of a line anymore uh, from a points perspective, but it's there's still upside there. For sure. I, I hope, I, like, I think Paul Yarby is a great late round flyer. Uh, Brandon, I think you mentioned like casting, like they, they seem to like him there, like, but, or like he seems to be better than the other options, but like, that's it. He's better than the other options. Like, yeah. good, like He's I don't. guy, man. I, they just replaced, <laughs> yeah. They just replaced Pat Maroon. I just like Cassian and he just punches people a little bit more often. It's really like, charitable for you to suggest. Like, I feel like the suggestion is that Cassian is there by design, you know, like the Oilers like that, like this type <laughs> of player along, but when they just have failed to get anyone better, I guess they have uh, Dominic Cahoon and Devin Shore as like sort of replacement level wingers who might yeah. somehow be a little more offensive. But I, I do also think you're right. The Oilers have that mentality that they need Cassian out there to, you know, keep everyone in line when Did they even sign Devin Shore. I thought they didn't give him a qualifying offer in the end. Mm. He is. He was listed as unfit to play at camp two days right, ago. Maybe, maybe they did. I, I don't. I don't. I vaguely remember them not offering, but maybe they did. Unfit to play out of sympathy because they didn't offer him a qualifier. <laughs> right going on right now. So many players <laughs> unfit to play. I know it's weird, but yeah. Well, okay. So maybe they're just you know the players are still you know uh, reacting from New Year's and like you know getting back into shape a little yeah. bit. But okay. So I think the Oilers. I, the big thing for me is like it's a win for Ryan. Anytime that Nugent Hopkins doesn't have to be on a line without McDavid and Drysaddle. Like as long as Drysaddle yeah. and McDavid are split, Ryan Nugent yeah. Hopkins wins and he could have a career year. Yes. And adding Kyle Torres, I think all but ensured that's going to happen. Yeah. Like he can be the third line center. They don't need Ryan Nugent Hopkins or they shouldn't need him to anchor that third line anymore. They see that it doesn't work. Like they just need to, they, the Oilers are going to roll two lines and survive better than if they had to roll three. Definitely. I guess the question then is, do they roll two lines and an effective third line with tourists and they move RNH down to his own line on the yeah, second. Like my fear isn't RNH on That's the third my line. Fear. Yeah. Brian's brought this up before. I think it's more Brian. Like the concern is McDavid dry on line one. And then Nugent Hopkins is on the second line, but he doesn't have such great, you know, then he still has Yamamoto at least this year. But anyways, so that's the Oilers right now. Uh, we didn't see any power play as far as I saw, but it's probably what we'd yeah. expect. I guess we'll find out if Yamamoto gets a shot there. So let's go to the Habs now, who, you know, that's a team I was very curious to see their lines because unlike other teams where I made assumptions that were wrong, this team I actually didn't really know because they've got, you know, Josh Anderson in the picture and Tyler Toffoli. And to take a look, and it looks like they did uh, make sense to me. Like they kept Dano Gallagher, Tatar. And again, when I say they did, like I'm talking about like today's lines, which could change tomorrow again, but a tweet from John Liu here. So Gallagher, Dano, Tatar, and then Suzuki centering Josh Anderson and Jonathan Druan, and then Tyler Toffoli with Cockneyemi and Armia, which you'd think like, oh, but too bad for Toffoli on the third line. Uh, I guess it really depends on how good Kakaniemi could be now in his third season as now like not a teenager for the first time. So maybe he'll have a bump. So it's like, it looks like a nice deep situation for the Habs. But I think, uh, yeah, my take here is like Josh Anderson playing with Nick Suzuki. Seems good. I don't know. And he's, he's great in bangers leagues. So yeah. he's like someone that people might, you know, have under the radar since he missed lots of last year. And when he did play, he was terrible, but he's someone that could be great value late in your drafts. I take him ahead of Tyler Toffoli in a bangers league. Oh, 100%. And I think we've seen in our listener leagues, at least which have bangos, we've seen Anderson actually go a lot earlier than I expected. 
pretty much every time people are definitely awake to him. And I think the thing I like the most about Anderson and the thing that makes me like, you know, Tatar, even Kotkinemi and Toffoli less is just how evenly it feels the Habs run their lines, especially those top three lines. So I feel like their minutes are pretty limited across the board. And the same with the way they split the top, the two power plays, right? Both pretty much 50, 50, it hurts them. And I feel like it hurts them on the five on five lines as well, which is great for Anderson because it means he's virtually guaranteed pretty good minutes and the same with Armia and same with Toffoli and all these guys. But I think the problem is just that that ceiling is capped. That's kind of what I don't like about like the Tatar and even Gallagher to an extent is I feel like that ceiling is capped because their minutes are in many ways capped. Like I, I don't see the Habs necessarily deciding, okay, we're running the Tatar to no Gallagher line, you know, for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 23 minutes a game, whatever the you know max normal is. Um, so the ceiling to me is very capped. The floor is good, I think, on all of them. But when Brandon and I did the Habs preview, we kind of said that all of them are just really middle ground, super even in a way. Like a lot of them, they offer different maybe coverage from a Cats perspective, depending on who you look at, whether you're looking at Gallagher versus Toffoli with it, whether Suzuki or Tatar, right? Like they all offer different categories. But from like an actual value perspective, I feel like they're all kind of similar. Am I right in that, Brandon? You agree with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we saw that a lot, and especially in, in our drafts we've been doing, it, in that the only Montreal player that's not a defenseman that gets drafted even reasonably high is is Gallagher. Everybody else is like in this group of like they're probably going to go in like the fifteenth ish, and they're all like probably just above replacement level. But and it's not to any of their own faults; they're not higher. It's just that's the system that Montreal plays. You know, you're not going to like you said, you're not going to be able to get a guy that plays. 65% on the power play it just doesn't exist. Um, and now you look at the power play lines I have, and I, I do think, I do believe these lines will be the ones they go with. Um, I think that Weber, as he's getting older, uh, he still has an amazing slap shot. Why not take advantage of it, right? They're going to stick him in the OV spot. He's going to slap pucks like a madman, which is going to be great for everybody. And, uh, but as a result, I think that kind of like, it might devalue a guy like Gallagher, who they may not need on the top power play, which they are not, playing him there right now um which i hate because i drafted him a couple of times but <laughs> i mean it is what it is i'm just hoping it's a gong show in the north regardless and i can just make it up on even strength but um but yeah i i think that what we're seeing in these lines with uh, by the way the, the top power play right now last last time they, they ran it was suzuki to foley weber druin and petrie uh I, I feel like druin might be the one that that kind of swaps in and out there with maybe a tatar um, and then the second unit is Josh Anderson, uh, Tatar Gallagher, Kakanyemi, and Romanov. That was tweeted. They, they both seem pretty good to, to say me. In French. What did I say? What did I say wrong? You're supposed to say it in French. The tweet is in French. Oh well, I looked at the at the English one because I am English <laughs> or American uh, or not French. <laughs> I, do you, I mean, I'm as curious as I am to hear your French accent. Oh gosh, you're not no. curious. That's <laughs> okay. <not>. No, <laughs> So, yeah, it's really funny that it took till the end of that conversation to bring up Jonathan Druin's name just by virtue of him being on the top line. Like, it wasn't the top power play unit. It wasn't so long ago that he was considered to be the most valuable forward to pick off the Canadians. You know, he had that season where he paced for 60 points in 82 games. That was his last year in Tampa. Then he went to Montreal, 49-point pace, 54-point pace. And last year, in very limited time, 46-point pace. And uh, I'm, like... I'm not about to say like we should be thinking about Jonathan Duran. No, I think we've pretty much seen who he is. And like he relies heavily on power play production too. Like over the last, uh, over the two seasons before this one, he had 38 power play points out of uh, my quick math here, 99 total points. So like just a huge portion 
of his production comes on the power play. So if he does stick on that top power play unit and in a deep enough league, maybe those power play points are helpful, but I'm with you. Like it seems very strange mm-hmm. unless the Habs are going to run 50, 50 units uh, for Gallagher to not be on that top unit. Mm-hmm. If they are loading it up. Yeah. So. It, it seems to me like they're going 50, 50, like Tatar was their yeah. leading scorer last year and Gallagher is Gallagher. So, and they're both like on this like quote unquote second unit. It's kind of maybe yeah. exciting for Romanov by the way. So the yeah. second power yep. play, like I said, like, so maybe he gets a spot if Petrie and Weber are on one Romanov goes on the other, like you said, though, also like the whole upside of everyone is kind of capped if they're all getting 50% power play time and also yeah. running their even strength lines. So, uh, so I want to touch on Druin one more time and be like, I just to put in perspective of how I, I personally feel about Druin of all the players, and we just said how they're all kind of like just above replacement level, they're all essentially versions of each other in a way. I would take six Habs forwards above Druin. Oh, wow. It's funny. In the it's chat- hard to know <laughs> Gallagher, Suzuki, Anderson fully. Yeah, I mean, easy. Yeah. And I take Petrie and Weber ahead of him too. Well, of definitely, yeah. 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 And Roman. I would even consider uh, Armia in, in certain streaming positions above Druin. Yeah. I mean, if you remember last season, like what were the haps, right? All season, it was like, okay, this week I own Dino. This week I own Tatar. This week it's the rush to own Suzuki. Oh, this week, like I'm rushing to own whoever else. Like it, it was just like this constant flux of like whoever's hot that you own. And then when they cooled off, they just weren't worth owning at all anymore. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen again this season. Yeah, like uh, the thing with Juan is he's had some really hot runs and then he's mm-hmm. gotten injured. And so it's it's tempting to think like, what if he just got a full healthy season? That's what Jeremy is saying here in the chat. He thinks we haven't seen the best of him because he's been injured a lot, sadly. But anyway, uh, I, I definitely am not it. drafting him. I'll keep him on my yeah. watch list, yeah. I guess. While even he's on the top even when he there. played the year prior, he played 81 games. He was on a 54 point pace, played 60 percent of the power play and s- still yeah. like just, you know, so I mean, and he played 17 minutes a game. I don't think he's going to get much more than that this season. Yeah, definitely not recommending to uh, reach for Druan. Uh, no, definitely not. Oh, so speaking of the opposite of teams where they have a whole bunch of players you may want to consider in fantasy, let's go to the Ottawa Senators now. Oh, boy. Who, mm. uh, maybe one day we'll have some players, but right now there are lines from today. So this is another Group A, Group B situation. So I'm just going to like pick out the interesting lines here. So I see Logan Brown with Dodonov and Kachuk. So that's obviously, if that sticks, whoever centers, if Dadanov and Kachuk what do you think is cooler? If I say Dadanov, like I'm trying to Dadanov. be like Russian, or should I just say Dadanov and like? <laughs> Dadanov. Don't get yeah. fancy. We call okay. him we call him Daddy sometimes, so it's got to be Dadanov. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously, if Dadanov and Kachuk play together, that means their center has value, right? Because I think Kachuk is primed for like a big breakout season. Like, I, like I, I, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Kachuk is looking like someone's going to break out after like last year already being great and having this low shooting percentage and all of that. So Logan Brown definitely jumps out at me, but I think also the Sens are going to try out a few centers. So I wouldn't read too much into their lines. Like, actually, if I go to the day before, who, who was, there was Tierney with Kachuk and Brown. So yeah, they've already been shifting it around. Wait, actually, that was a tweet from May that I, or March, that I just looked at. So ignore that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, is there any other interesting line or should we just talk about who's going to center Kachuk and, and Dadanov? And that's kind of it. I, I think that's kind of it. This team is kind of sad aside from that top line, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's any number of people that could, that could center that top line. I, and like, even with Kachuk having value, I don't, I don't know that I believe that his center will necessarily. Like they're going to have to be able to do something on their own, otherwise we're running into a Thornton situation, right? Where they might get some assists and nothing else. Um, Logan Brown, if he sticks top center, I hope we can see something good out of him this season. He's he's probably the most hyped I'd be for anybody to get that top center position. Um, otherwise, you know, Colin White could get it. Uh, there, or there's you know any number of of players they have over there, but. Beyond that, there's really not much to be excited about. Uh, I do think Chabot's being slept on a bit, and uh, I think that Connor Brown 
is going to be a good streaming situation like he was last season. Not somebody you hold long-term, but you know, in, in a week where the Senators have a good schedule uh, and Connor Brown decides he wants to shoot a lot, then sweet. Yeah, he's probably I agree. Made, I, think. I assume he gets top power play because who yeah. else does? So. Yeah, <laughs> one, name, one name that's not in these practice lines yet because he I don't think he's quite arrived yet, but Derek Stepan, the recent signing, oh, who could... That's so funny, but, Brian. No, I'm just, I'm not... No, we're, could, we're talking about who is going oh, to no, center. No. It's just, I really thought you were going to mention another name. Like, you were like, one player who's not here. And I, was I wasn't oh, going to say Galchenyuk. No, I was thinking, like, obviously, Brian's talking. He's about to say, one person who's not here that we should be excited about is... And then when you said Derek Stepan, I was like, wait, pff, like, what, spit takes. I was thinking, obviously, Tim Stutzla. Oh, St- Tim Stutzla's <laughs> also not there, but I was just talking into <laughs> in terms of sentiment and Josh Norris also like I feel like there's look between white Colin White Josh Norris Logan Brown and uh, Derek Stepan it feels like one of them could just maybe gel not enough to be themselves fantasy relevant but to be enough for Kachuk and Dadanov to like have a reasonable center to play with so there's that piece and then the yeah, Stutzla looks so freaking good in the world juniors and is coming and seems ready to be an NHLer all of a sudden yeah. so we'll see if that does hold true once he starts practicing and playing with Ottawa um he was way way off my draft lists before the world mm-hmm. juniors and like I should never react to the world juniors but a pretty good like last round pick if you're in a deep enough league right now just to see what he'll do yep yeah i mean i remember a couple of years ago when brady kachuk had his first season and we were all thinking what are the sends doing they're not even sending him to the minors they're 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 just want to like you know get fans in the stands or whatever but then kachuk was actually fantasy relevant he was good in his first season so i guess they're going to try to you know get it to happen again with tim stutzla who's a higher pick right brady kachuk was fourth overall stutzla's yeah. third yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I think that also the thing with that Logan Brown, the reason I'm not putting too much stock into it is kind of, I think what Brian alluded to is like, let's say Logan Brown hits a little bit of a misstep. I don't see why they can't just replace him with Stepan yeah. or replace him with Norris. Like, I think they're just going to put whoever's working there in between Kachuk and Dadnoff to improve them. And it, I think all of them are kind of equal at the end of the day between like Logan Brown and even Galchenyuk or Stepan or whoever. I mean, they're all honestly not. Logan Brown makes the most sense, I think. But I also don't think it's just like a sure lock where he stays there the whole season. Yeah. So this the kind of guy you take with your last pick in your draft, assuming I'm going to hold him while he's there. Yeah. And I'm expecting the leash to be like very short. And as soon as he's exactly. off that line, I swap to the next first line. Maybe you just keep on uh, c- cycling in Ottawa centers of the top. Just of, they'll always switch them in. They'll always be available in free agency in your fantasy league. That's for sure. I, I do like Chabot for what it's worth. Um, I think Chabot is definitely being slept on a little bit. I think he had a pretty good season, all things considered, last year. I don't think it was to the level that people expected of him. I think that's kind of the issue. Is a lot, It reminds me a little bit of DeBrincat, where like people had these crazy expectations of them. But when you looked at it, you were like, well, they kind of over-exceeded expectations the year before. It's cool off a little bit. And I feel like Chabot, he just kind of had a good season for all things considered. And... Now everyone's like, oh, he sucks. That's it. But I, I still like him a lot. And I think there's a little bit of upside there if things click, especially with Dadnoff coming in. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and then maybe, you know, Matt Murray's been falling in all the drafts I've been doing, but who knows? Maybe the Sens could be not the most terrible, but who am I kidding? Okay, but let's go on. <laughs> yeah. I'll just drop that in, <laughs> let you guys all grimace, and then move on to the next team. Let's go to the Canucks. Okay, finally some normalcy, right? This is what I was expecting okay. to see. We got Besser, Patterson, and JT Miller have been skating on the top line. Then you have Horvat with Tanner Pearson. They were great last year. A lot of last year, they spent time with Louis Erickson. He, he hasn't been there in, in practice. It's been actually uh, Nils Hoglander 
So that's kind of an interesting name. If he sticks to play with Horvat, like I, he won't get top power plays. So it's not going to be like a huge hit, but in a super deep league, that's the guy that I'm kind of looking at like, oh, that's pretty nice for him. You know, in a league where Tanner Pearson gets drafted and then you're still looking yeah. for more people afterwards. Uh, but yeah, I don't even have that much to say here. This looks like probably same as last year. I don't, Nate Schmidt has been on a defensive pairing with Edler, which is, I mean, nice for the Canucks, but I don't know if it like yeah. does much for fantasy. Yeah. I Schmidt do has actually... Been... Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I do like what Hoglander might do for Horvat. Mm. I think if anything, that's one thing. I'm a, I mean, it's better than Erickson, right? Or whoever else they had last year. So I do like the idea that potentially maybe Hoglander can just make that line better. And if someone were to benefit, I could see Horvat benefiting from that. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into it. I'm not changing Horvat's draft position really because of it, but just something I'm certainly thinking about and paying attention to is hmm, that introduction of Hoglander is kind of interesting. Yeah, the, so I feel like we're, we're kind of circling, or at least I'm circling us back to power play usage quite a bit. And in in Please fantasy do. leagues, it's it's a rare player that you want that's not on power play one, right? Mm-hmm. It's like very few. In cats leagues, okay, it opens the door a bit, but in points leagues, especially, like who are you getting on the on the nucks that's not going to be power play one? Probably nobody. You're going to get JT Miller, Besser, Pedersen, Horvat, Hughes, and then you're out. Like anybody else you might stream or, you know, they're an injury replacement or something. Um, for, for whatever reason, I feel like Nate Schmidt is like one of the most overrated uh, fantasy assets. Every single year I hear, I, I have to like fend off people telling me that Nate Schmidt is going to be like the best defenseman on their team, whatever team he's on. Like I had a lot of like Shea Theodore versus Nate Schmidt stuff last season. I was like, what are we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> but I think like yeah he can he's he can put up decent points even strength but he's not going to get real like realistic power play usage so take it take a deep breath if you're thinking about dra- drafting Nate Schmidt for anything besides like blocks yeah oh for sure and I mean that was sort of the message like that's that's been the story of his career like 35 40 points maybe yeah. he'll get you some peripherals he always seems like a guy who could given the role step up like it was the same thing back at the start of his career in Washington right where uh, he could he's quick he's good with the puck great utility guy probably has some offensive flair in him but that's not what anybody asks him to do he's like the Paul Stasny of defensemen my like looking at the Vancouver lines for me uh the name that stands out to me which maybe shouldn't at all is Brock Besser I'm just wondering what our confidence level is that he is on that top Lower line for ADP. good after That's last year's level, right? Like his ADP is like in the mid fifties. Like people are drafting him. Like he's already done <laughs> what we're hoping his ceiling might be. It's like, what's happening again? Like I, I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I like Besser, not anywhere near like the fourth or fifth round that people are drafting him in. I feel like there was a time where like his hype carried him there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His, his rookie yeah, year, like there's yeah. a lot of upside after that. And then, I mean, when you saw Toffoli come over last season and yeah. just like do so well, it's kind of like, why? <laughs> well, to be fair, the the thing is, it his... might just be excitement about Elias Pettersson, right? Like, I feel like Pettersson's exactly. just getting better and better, and like also, I feel like Quinn Hughes doesn't get better and better, and so like someone else gets points when those two people are getting points, and Besser's going to be there at even strengthen on the power play. So that's the reason to be into Besser. But yeah, it would be nice to actually see him put together a full, good, healthy, not getting bumped to the third line season. Maybe it would be nice. Like Besser is like the only player on the entire Canucks lineup that shoots the puck, literally the only one. <laughs> 
Like everybody uh, else. Horvath. Horvath shoots. No, no, no. Excuse Last me. season, nobody on the team got more than three shots a game. Nobody. Except for Besser. Hor- what? Horvath did I'm not pretty- do it. He didn't. I looked this up. He didn't do it. <laughs> You're right. Right. Do. JT Miller right. like shot more than usual, but still like barely over yeah, two it's, shots it's, a game. It's a strange like, Yeah, he's been shooting more. They way. didn't need to shoot yeah. or score because they had Quinn Thatcher Demko. <laughs> they had Everything's- Thatcher Demko that stopped 50 shots every game. At least that's how the playoffs went, right? They didn't need to shoot. They just had to rely on their goalie to bail them out. Uh, so, okay. Oh, it would be fun, by the way, to talk about the goalies. But we can't. We got to move mm. on. Let's go to the Winnipeg Jets, the last <laughs> team in the North Division, who oh have shaken things up a little bit. I like this. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I like this in terms of for the Jets, but I just like something different, right? Because last year, well, there were injuries, right? But when everyone was yeah. healthy, generally, we've been seeing Line A and Ehlers on the second line with whoever they get to center that line. This year, they actually have a decent second line center in Paul Stasny. But it's but Ehlers is not there. It's a Line A and Kyle Connor with Stasny, and then Ehlers up with Shifley and Wheeler. So I'm not sure if that's like makes a difference in terms of like fantasy value, just because if Ehlers is still off the top power play, I think he probably maxes out as like a 65 point guy. I don't know if playing with Shifley and Wheeler is going to like make it like, like, just like Brandon was saying, right. If he's not on the top power play, you can't expect a point per game. That's like super rare. Uh, but, and Kyle Connor, I don't know, is this bad for him? Probably not. He's still on the top power play and he's playing with Patrick Line and Stasny. So to me, it's just like fun to see something different, but at the end of the day, I feel like everyone's probably the same as last year. What do you guys think? Brandon, I can you go like first Eelers. on this one. I have a lot of thoughts yeah, I think, about it. I think you Eelers. go first. You have a lot of and thoughts Connor here. And all these guys. And Line A. I, Brandon um, has a lot of thoughts on the Jets this year. I, I think the Stasi signing was like a no-brainer for them. I mean, we've, we've saw the, the time when Line A went berserk and everybody drafted him in the first round the next season was when he had Stasi centering him. So bringing him back and, and having like, trying to re- rekindle that chemistry they already had makes a lot of sense. Um, Ehlers, as far as... As far as players that don't play in the top power play, Ehlers is like the top of my list of guys I would draft that don't play in the top power play. There's so many things that could change to make him close to a point-per-game player or even a point-per-game player, honestly. Like if if any of this... If in some alternate universe, they actually do trade line A before the season starts, Ehlers' value goes like not just a little bit up, but like way, way up. Like you, you're talking about a guy that you could take right now in the 12th round-ish being worth fourth or fifth round value probably. Um, if you if you can add power play point totals to his normal even strength game, shoots a lot as well. Um, he's no slouch there, so he's. I, I like Ehlers a lot. I think his ADP is is kind of silly in in Yahoo right now, even with not being on the top power play. You know, when you, once you get down to those double digit rounds, you're you're gambling anyway. Um, and he's got a good enough floor that it's worth it. Uh, Connor, I I don't I kind of don't know why they moved him off the top line. Like maybe it's fine, but like. Why? Like he 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 was doing so well with Shifley and Wheeler. I don't see why you need to break that chemistry up. Keep Ehlers with Stasny and Line A. You, you've got it. You've got a system. I think. But well, maybe they I, want I don't think that. it'll make much difference either way. Honestly, I think Connor's still good. Maybe they just want that Kyle Connor energy down on the Stasny Line A line. I think that's all it is. Just bring some of that luck down the second line. They have so many shooters. It's the opposite of the Gosh. Canucks. It's like Ehlers, Connor, and Line A all just want to blast all day long. And Wheeler, <laughs> and then Shifley just like can actually hit corners. Instead of just wail it at the net constantly. Yeah, first center, Shifley actually shoots a lot too. Yeah. Like he's got, you know, about two and a half shots per game and he's like deadly accurate. Yeah. His career shooting percentage is 18%. It's insane. He might be the yeah, best he's... shooter in like the entire league. 
Yeah, yeah. He like he's it like and usually when you see that in the center, like I'm thinking of someone like uh I don't know, I think Kuznetsov probably fit this bill at some point and maybe Backstrom, but like centers with near 20% shooting percentages are guys who take like one, one and a half shots per game. So it's crazy that Shifley is able to do this uh while taking more shots than that. Uh I like I by the way, Ehlers in the Kakutful drafts, um, which is our listener league, went 77th overall on average and we have 14 teams in a round so that would put him somewhere around like the sixth or seventh round um a lot higher than yahoo adp anyway but yeah uh, yeah well your your couples were on fan tracks where you did the draft right i think the adp was quite different there for whatever that's worth but or uh, how much people even use probably. that or, or just you know comparing on points but it also depends yeah. like it depends who's drafting in terms of like first of all where you draft yeah. because there's those defaults really affect people as we remember martin marinchin oh, a couple boy. of years ago and oh, then yeah. also like i i would say that probably the listeners of our podcast probably are not just using the defaults and probably are more likely the types of people who have dom decisions spreadsheet or something like that that are yeah. helping <laughs> the dauber guide whatever uh, all right so there we go we're done with the north division one down hell looks good <laughs> i like him hella bucks good Hellebuck's good. Yeah, he uh, got some he's, hardware he's last player. year to prove it. <laughs> he, he plays hockey well. He's, he's pretty does. good. If, uh, I don't know about that defense in front of him, but uh, he, he seems very Oof. good. So, okay, so we've got uh, three divisions to go. We're going to do one more on this show. Then we're going to hop over to a Fantasy Hockey Podcast. But first, let's go to the West, the division. So back when we had Dom Lushishin on the show, we did the North. He, he said that the North, he thinks, is going to have a ton of goals. And he thinks the yep. West is going to be a place where there's not going to be many goals. You maybe want to fade some of the players that you would normally draft there. Uh, yep. Let's start on a team that already wasn't a team we were going to expect to score many goals, which is the Anaheim Ducks. And now they get to also play in this West division. So the question is, like, do you want anyone from this team, <laughs> like, uh, so the top oh, line in, in practice back on January 3rd is what the, the ducks suck for tweeting lines. Actually, Eric Stevens is generally good, but he hasn't done much lately. But anyways, okay. So uh, Raquel, Henrik, Silverberg, line one, I guess. Yeah. Getzlaff, Heinen, Jones, uh, Comtois, Steele, and Terry, which is like a fun line of their three like up and coming prospects, not including Zgrass, who might come. He had an amazing yeah. tournament. Uh, but anyway, no one here excites me at all. Like, I guess I always like to think that Raquel could bounce back, but I've been saying that for a mm. few years now. <laughs> Ricky Racks, my boy. Yeah, he, he just keeps burning me every season. Yeah, but um, what, so what are we, we, are we, we are just we talking recently about talked oh, about, the ducks, about the ducks and okay, talking about the ducks. Our feedback was this may be the only team in the league that I would draft nobody, <laughs> except for Gibson, maybe. <laughs> I was um, just gonna say, yeah, but like no skaters. Like who do you draft? Raquel is the only Raquel and Getzlav. I guess Getzlav, if you're in a Pim league, um has some upside. Raquel has some upside because he shoots and hits, but like you are and, scraping the bottom of the barrel because you know, and, even and power you, play one makes no difference on this team. And you hear the, you know, the off night argument. I don't even know if it's worth it this year. Their off nights I, aren't I, that great this year compared. I really, Just yeah, think actually, big players. They Vegas is the team. And yeah. they play the most teams while rested that are tired <laughs> in a league or in a division. That's going to have a lot of hopefully <laughs> wide open nets. That's good. Vancouver oh. players are good schedule-wise. <laughs> I mean, I will say the off nights, like I was just doing a draft, a slow draft, and I grabbed Getzlaff late in the draft. And it was mainly because I was looking at like Getzlaff versus like a, I don't know who it was, like maybe like a Brock Nelson around that area. Maybe you'll say I was done. But I looked and like Brock, I, I have, I used the rock, roster maximizer where, you know, you see like how many extra games you'd get from an extra player that's a bench player. And it was like, Getzlaff would give me like 30 extra games and Nelson would give me like 17. So it was like, okay, for double the games. I'll take yeah. gets off, even though I think Nelson will get more points. So I, I like the off yeah. days, but you have to like work out to make sure they actually work out in your favor yep. and only for like maybe gets laughing Raquel. 
the most interesting thing about the ducks apparently is that someone in the chat said um come toi apparently that m is silent so i don't even know how to pronounce it now Cotois? Cotois? <laughs> I like that's interesting anyways that's all really i have on the quickly. ducks <laughs> that's your that's your ducks okay. analysis there you go that's why that's my, we're, we're south that's my ducks we can, analysis we can say it we, we yeah we, we also sp- all m's here we've we've also talked about this on, on our <laughs> podcast i speak spanish so like all of my other accents are just thrown out the window i i have an excuse okay <laughs> so who plays center between raquel and silverberg it's adam Henrique. Adam Henrique. It probably Henrique. is. Oh, I, no, I was waiting for the, the like, a Spanish Oh, accent. Henrique. 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 There you go. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, the only complete line, too, oh, out, yes. out of these death charts. Like, every other line has, like, one, maybe, zero, one, or, like, one and a half pieces. So, yeah, that makes it really hard Funny to thing find is, value. The one thing they did in this season that improved the team, decreased the value of the only good player to draft, and that's signing Ryan Miller as a competent backup to John Gibson, which might take away a few starts. It's like, right. well, can we get anything to win on this team? You could, you could say the same thing about they signed Shattenkirk to now yep. challenge Fowler yep. for the power play. So now Fowler's, whatever small value he may have had as a top yeah. power play guy goes. Right. All right, so I yeah. Mean, honestly, that's just permission for us to totally ignore Fowler when like it would have oh, been just yeah. like, oh, should I with my very, like is my sixth yeah. defenseman? Like, nope, no, I don't have and to we don't. Yeah. yeah. No. no. Yeah. Oh, one, one, one little addition. Delorier had like more than twice the amount of fights of any other player in the entire league last season. Yeah, so it'll be your... crazy if he keeps getting minutes. Like I don't know how this guy. <laughs> I don't like, know. There have to. There are better players than Nicholas Delorier. I will say, if you're in a pimps league, though, a lot of hits. This is probably the division to watch for fights. I would guess. Oh yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of bad blood between like Vegas and Anaheim, Vegas and the Kings, Vegas and the Sharks. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of bad blood in here. Also, because a lot of them suck. So but playing against Ryan Reeves eight times. I mean, <laughs> he's going to punch everyone in the team once and once. You know? I would have thought like with a compressed schedule, everyone will maybe be a little gentler because they all know that they've got a long journey ahead. But I, guess I, that's I don't not know. How it's it's like a playoff series every yeah. single night with the that, amount that's of what time marketing you play. Is the, I think is the saying. tension is just going to be ratcheted up. All right. So I guess we've spent a lot more time on Anaheim than I expected we would, but <laughs> totally worth it to give, say that there's no one fantasy relevant potentially. Yes. I will say if Zgrass comes then all of a sudden, if you have like Zgrass, Getzlaff and like Steeler Terry, like that could become an exciting line yeah. to go along with. So they might have two lines, but yeah, still not that exciting. Definitely very different than some of these other teams we've talked about. But let's go to a team with maybe a bit more upside. Just kidding. Let's go to Arizona, who oh, probably boy. has maybe even fewer exciting players in fantasy. I guess we can make the analogy of like Clayton Keller is to Ricard Raquel, someone that we thought was really good and then for the last couple of years has disappointed us. And now Clayton Keller gets to play according to the most recent practice lines I have from Craig Morgan. Keller with Nick Schmaltz and Connor Garland. Oof. And when okay, so Kessel was away, and actually Brassard was away, and Barrett Hayton was away. So probably these lines don't even really matter that much. But even with like Hayton, Brassard, and Kessel, it doesn't make me more that much more excited mm-hmm. about Clayton Keller. Like, okay, if you had to have okay, if you were playing in a fantasy league where you just take the team and you just get all the players on their team, and it's just points, do you go Arizona or do you go Anaheim? Anaheim. Anaheim. Okay, so I think yeah. that's all we need to say about. Although, if I could pick I, just one, please, I, 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 I want to believe in Connor Garland. I want to believe in Connor Garland. I do. I don't know that he'll ever reward me for it because they're going to give him thirteen minutes a game. But he's he's the guy, kind of. I don't know. I, I he mean, shoots if at I, least. <laughs> if I had to pick one guy in Arizona, it'd probably be Schmaltz. Wait, not Kelly? <sighs> no. 
I don't know. I think I think Schmaltz showed himself I better than Mitch Keller Schmaltz. last year. I know. I do too. I, I hate his like unsustainableness like, I have last like year. PTSD from all the questions I got about Nick Schmaltz oh last gosh. season when he was like going on that weird run of like thirty percent shooting. And and nothing made he was, sense. Like, the best player on the world. <laughs> Drove Not Kessel. Kessel. I was like, it's gonna clearly it's like gonna come Kessel. down. I, okay, so here's the thing about the whole Arizona team to me that like I don't like. We talked about take this. Draws. He's like a thirty five percent draw guy. That What's is true. He sucks at draws. He does suck draws, but. The thing to me about Arizona is just that the system in general sucks. They made Taylor Hall suck. That takes effort. You've got to try yeah. to make Taylor Hall suck. And to me, it's kind of reminds me of Dallas, where like Dallas plays this defensive system that really just kills offense in many ways. And you just go there to die. And I, I feel playing, like unless you're Nick Schmaltz who shoots at 30% for a few games, everyone goes to die. I think playing in Arizona literally, like if you play there for a certain number of years, you will turn black and white physically. It will it just reduces the color from your being. <laughs> so we're happy that Taylor Hall isn't there anymore. Oh, we're <laughs> is what I'm hearing. I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, like he wasn't. I mean, he was awful. Like I was going to try and sugarcoat a little uh, and say like, you know, 65 point pace, but for Taylor Hall, anything below 70 point pace is a disappointment. And I'm trying to like look into the numbers and see why and exactly what went wrong. Um, Like Arizona just doesn't score a lot of goals. Like it says something that he was more successful in New Jersey than he was in Arizona. And, and I don't, and I like the point that you guys are making that we can't expect anyone to not fall victim to that same fate. So long as, uh, I mean, like they play a certain system with Rick Tockett given like where we, we've heard the argument that Rick Tockett essentially uses the tools he has, like playing Mm -hmm. the shutdown defensive style or trying to, isn't his choice. Like it's not his preference. It's just all he has the option to. And this season again, uh, essentially he's in the same place. So we'll see like Clayton Keller is someone who like, I'm still just like, can he, but then I see that he's on practice lines. I mean, again, practice lines, preseason, whatever, but with Schmaltz and Garland and I look at the rest of the depth chart and I'm like, who else could he play with? And it's like not any better than Schmaltz and Garland. Well, really. no, I mean, I mean, what's yeah. the best case scenario? Maybe like Hayton, Hayton and Kessel. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's still not a whole, that's not a world better. Yeah. To me, Keller, the issue is Keller, like Dvorak Garland, I feel like could make something happen. Maybe. Mm. I don't know, but maybe not. Who knows? Here's the, here's the issue for me though. It's like, it doesn't matter what they do. Right. Like we're talking about the system. If you look at Keller, who's been on Arizona now two years, right. He, we have this, these numbers His on a shooting percentage for Keller has been about eight and a half percent now, two years in a row. Right. That's just not very good. And then you look at Phil Kessel, who's on ice shooting percentage before Arizona was at 11%. It went down to eight when he went to Arizona. Then you look at Taylor Hall, whose shooting percentage went from 11.2% down to 9.6 on Arizona. So like everyone's on ice shooting percentage just collapses. Like no one scores on that team. So aside from like, I feel people just not scoring. Maybe they just don't get into good scoring positions. I'm not hundred percent sure what it is. There's just not as many goals to be had. So your assists also get kind of, brought down so points in general just aren't there it feels like it's just a tough situation i don't like really i'm trying to stay away from arizona they remind me of dallas in which like if you're going there for points you're going to be disappointed yeah grab like i'll just like push back on that a little like saying like in arizona it was i mean this is just compared to New Jersey, essentially from the first half of the season, but like Hall was on, saw more offense while he was on the ice in Arizona than he did for the first half of New Jersey. And like, it wasn't so different from the rest of his New Jersey days either. I'm actually looking at his on ice. I'm like, do I have this right? His on ice expected goals rates were the highest of his career. 
in Arizona. Just, isn't that the thing though in Arizona? Like all of them have great underlying numbers. Like they're playing good hockey, but just nothing goes. In. I I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. Puck. I feel like it's, it's they, the it's the home stadium's messed up. That's what's happening. It's <laughs> like it's like why more home runs are hit in Colorado ballparks. There's the the air is thinner. The air must be thicker in Arizona. Yes, just that's stops exactly pucks on its, its own. It's, it's all the sand that comes in from the doors. <laughs> it goes onto the ice and slows everyone. Everybody's down. just been boozing in the universities before they come to the game. Everybody's <laughs> literally slower. So speaking of that hot air in uh, Colorado, let's or the cold air, I don't know. Okay, let's go to Colorado now. Let's get to a more exciting team. And yeah, a little bit different. So they're, they haven't been running McKinnon, Ranson, and Landeskog. They've instead uh, brought Landeskog to the second line, which is great news for Andre Burakovsky, who's gotten a shot for the first couple of practices over with McKinnon and Rantanen. I think right away that like jolts Burakovsky way up by draft list because like looking at last year's numbers, they were great. But then the question was, okay, but yeah, once everyone's healthy, then he'll probably just be on the second line at best and not on the top power play. But if he is on the top line, like definitely if we're getting to the late rounds of a draft and Burakovsky's still out there, this is a guy with huge upside. And what's the worst case scenario? He goes and gets centered by Nazem Kadri on the second line, which is still really good. Um, by the way, also with these lines, so yeah, then you had uh, Saad, Landeskog, and Kadri on the second line, which is probably good news for, uh, well, Saad, I guess, and like good news for Kadri to get Landeskog. I don't know. I think it's good. Like maybe you could say it's bad news for Landeskog, but uh, whatever. He's on the top power play. He'll still get points there. But yeah, he's, I guess he hurts and, and Burkowski gains a little bit. But yeah, interesting to see what's shaking out there. So unless I'm wrong, I don't think the tweet is here. I think Landeskog practiced on the second power play. Oh, I don't which I see that one would kill Landeskog if true. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Last I saw, at least on Daily Faceoff, they had Landeskog second power play. Okay, so, I don't know how true that is, right? Um, I got to see the tweet, but uh, I, gotta, I know I, I'd have to see the tweet. But something to watch if they actually <laughs> well, do they, that. Like who bumped him? Uh, I think Borkowski actually. Right? Oh, yeah, wow. Borkowski bumped him. So. Nice. Let's whoever's listening, pause the podcast right now and <laughs> grab Burakovsky at a free agency if you've already drafted and he's out there. Like, don't let him sit there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, they have so they have Kadri up there on the top top power play unit. So the top power play unit is Rotten and Kadri Burakovsky, and the second one is Landeskog, Comfort, Yost. And, and that, I mean, that makes me, that I, makes like, sense to me that um, <clears throat> if you're going to put Burakovsky on the top power play, he bumps Landeskog. He doesn't yeah. bump Kadri. Kadri's been a bumper spot Kadri's, player for his whole career. He's Kadri's the butt goal guy. <laughs> Everybody's got a butt Continue goal guy. Threat. But, um, <laughs> Everyone has one. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, we're talking a lot. I feel like we've repeated a lot here not to overreact to some of the lines that we're seeing. But mm-hmm. this, if I'm, if I have draft, I do have drafts coming up. And the drafts I have coming up, Landeskog slides significantly. And that's not, yes. even, if, even if he goes back to the top line, top power play before the season starts, before my next draft, the fact that they're even trying this concerns me because it's not the first time they've done this right they've they've pumped they've bumped him they bumped Rantanen as well but I, I think it's more of a risk for for Landeskog to get bumped from the top line and if he gets bumped from the top line and the top power play we're talking about significant decrease in usage uh and, also, and fantasy relevance I also think that I kind of like that line of Landeskog Kadri sad honestly sad I it's I yeah kind of a tough line to play against it's really not not a bad line yeah the ads like- are so deep I I god I mean how do you even they don't it's have like, a bad line. They don't have a bad defensive pair. They, they, they don't have a bad goalie. It's messed remember up. Remember <laughs> last year when we were like talking about how they finally, you know, they had McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog and no one else. And, you know, we, we thought like they tried to have Soderberg one year or they had him and Kerfoot and uh, JT Comfort, like all these guys who were just like guys. 
And they've really filled it out nicely. Even last year when they added Eunice Donskoy, we're like, oh yeah, that's an upgrade. And now Donskoy, there's not even room for him in that top six anymore because they acquired Brandon Saad for uh, nothing, basically, if I remember right. Um, So yeah, having Burakovsky in there is great. Like I find it, honestly, I find it a little hard to believe that Burakovsky is going to spend substantial time on the top line. Like nothing's wrong with Colorado. I don't think they have anything to fix. So I don't see why they would change the game plan from last year, the year before. I mean, they keep not winning the cup, but I, I don't think that's, that had, I don't know. It doesn't seem like sometimes it's like, oh yeah, they need to change it up. They're top line and nothing else with Kadri there. I don't think that's the case anymore. So um, I'm curious to see, like I I'm, I, I've stopped drafting Landis Goggin leagues because he's kind of like the Elias Lindholm in Colorado, where it's just like, you can't trust he's going to stay where he's supposed to stay. And his value takes a huge hit when yeah. he, when he loses that deployment. So he's still a guy I would draft. I oh, just like his oh, yeah. ADP has always been high, right? It's always been. I would never draft third. him where I need to draft yeah. him though. Yes. Right. Like it, it's, it's, he's one of the guys I would like to have him on my team. I never am going to have him on my team because somebody else is going to take him before me. Yeah. In I think the there's a lot of players that are like that this season. He's gone. Uh, so the guys right up ahead of him are Nugent Hopkins, Goudreau, and Evander Kane. And right behind him are Bergeron, Larkin, and Timo Meyer. And I prefer, wow. and Tara Vinen. Like I prefer all those guys over Landis Gog. He's just not, not sure enough of no. a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'd rather just yeah get one of those studs and then grab Burakovsky later on for a fraction of the cost. And maybe exactly. he's going to be the one playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. All right. So uh, we can make up some time here. Let's go to the Kings who oh, like boy. have nothing going on. Everything's the same, by the way. So Kopitar, Brown, I follow as your top line. Toffoli's gone. Jeff Carter, I guess, is there. I'm seeing him playing with Lizotte, Blake Lizotte and, oh, Athanasiu, who uh, they signed as a free agent. So basically forget about Jeff Carter, but we already had. Yep. Forget about, well, I guess Brown... You know, whatever, like your last round pick of Dustin Brown in a bangers league, of course. Uh, and then Kopitar probably will figure out a way to get 60, 65, maybe 70 if things break right points. But uh, always does. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I think I the, kind the most of, interesting. I, I want to like Jeff Carter, but no. he's been shooting oh. a lot more lately. If, if I'm no. done liking Jeff Carter, then you're done yeah. liking Jeff Carter. Yeah, you, Brandon, what was his shooting, his shooting percentage was like 6% That's, last season or something Oh, yeah, ridiculous. I mean, he was garbage last year, but I, I like, and you want to forgive him for it, and I, I get that, because I've been forgiving him for like three years now. Uh, Look at I his just, line mates. <laughs> like, no. yeah. what's he going to do? Okay, Carter shot, too, at, which is not good. Carter shot at 9.3% last year and 7.5% the year before. What do you want him to shoot at, 15? Where's 11? it coming from? Where's it, where's it coming from? <laughs> I Who, just wait, hope. He hasn't shot that much in like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. that's what happened. Two seasons ago, he had the 6%, and like normally yeah. he's been 8 to 10, so it was reliable. This year, he went back up so to 9%, left. but his on-ice shooting percentage has been garbage for two years oh, yeah. now. It's been like yeah. under 6% combined for the last two seasons. And like at some point, like sure, that sucks, but like honestly, he's been below 8% for four of the last five seasons. So... I, I can't forgive him anymore. Yeah. What happens if, I, what happens if he winds up playing with Kopitar? Has that ever happened? Oh, no, yeah. but I'll say Brown gets hurt. <laughs> I still don't believe in him. I, I believe he gets sent off to like the minors two games yeah. later. Well, also like Adrian <laughs> Kempe was like, I think Kempe or someone like that gets on that line yeah. before. I think yeah, that's probably right. Second line. Yeah. Anyway, okay, now, let's move on. Like he doesn't <laughs> or I actually play. do have... I do oh. have one question for you guys on it. That's kind of curious. We've we've talked about this a little bit. Quick and Peterson, who gets majority starts by end of season? Elon, it's all you. <laughs> I mean, it should be Peterson. 
I don't see why not. Like quick, what what is the reason to play quick? Like he's clearly not that great anymore. They're not going to win games anyways. Let's get Peterson some experience that when all of their great prospects start coming in, they've got a good experience starting goalie ready to go. So who knows what they'll actually do, but I think they should play Cal Peterson. And I would, I would take Cal Peterson as like a guy like in the last round of a draft, if he's available for some upside, because he's had great numbers. And I think LA has shown that they can, they can keep the puck out of the net pretty well, even if they can't score goals. So it's only when quick's not in the net that they can keep the puck out of the well, net. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise it's going in. Yeah. I mean, that would be so annoying if they just do another year of giving oh, all the stars. Let's get Cal be Peterson brutal. some reps. Please. All right, let's go to Minnesota. So here actually, I was a little disappointed in one thing with these lines. I'm pretty, pretty surprised. Uh, first of all, the center situation is weird, right? Oh, so gosh, I actually thought that Marcus Johansson was going to be centering the top line, but it's actually Nick Bjugstad in practice who's been centering Parisi and Kaprizov, which I guess makes it the top line. That's the first one listed in this tweet by Dane Mizuti. Wait, no, let me try it again. Mizutani. <laughs> yeah, Dane Mizutani. Uh, but you, I would have thought that a line with Kevin Fiala is the top line on Minnesota, but he's playing with Benino who they traded Lukunin for and Marcus Johansson. So I don't know, not, I still believe in Fiala a lot. Like I think he's good enough that he can overcome even playing with Benino and Johansson and who knows, maybe things will shift around, but I was kind of more excited to have Fiala and Kaprizov together. Um, yeah. I do like Parisi though, getting to play with Kaprizov because I'm really high on Kaprizov. I, I've been trying to draft him in a lot of leagues. I keep waiting just a little bit too long and then someone snipes me, which is very annoying. Uh, but Parisi is another guy you could get in the very last round. I know like Brian loves this take. This has been his take for the last like five years. Like get Parisi in the last round. He's usually better than people expect take him to be. <laughs> yeah. And hey, this year I, I like that it he might play with too. Kaprizov. Um, so I, I remember seeing the tweet. This is probably a week ago, maybe a little less of Johansson centering that top line. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I don't remember him like doing a whole lot of face-off draws. I mean, he can, but to be a primary center on a team, I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought for sure that Nick Benino was going to be a top line center, which is, I mean, that's as a hard thing to say, right? Uh-huh. We're talking about Nick Benino here. Yeah. He's like a good player, in name only, he but, will be a top line center. But right, technically right. you could say he is, because you can say maybe the Fiala line is the top line. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say he line. is, the best center they have. Erickson X not far off, but like, uh, I'd only argue that that's the top line if Kaprasov weren't on the top power play. But with Kaprasov on the top also power Fiala, play, right? or Kaprasov, uh, huh? Fiala is also on the too. top power play. Yeah, but that's why to me the Bugstad, the weird Bugstad line feels like maybe I don't know, maybe it's a one A one B line, which is probably more what it is. I think whichever Who one's kind is of working. centering. That power play unit. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> there's no center. But like, there's no, but why would you? Like, I feel like if anything, they'll put a centerman oh out there, win the draw, yeah. he'll race off the ice, change out for whoever their fastest skater is. That's so And funny. that'll that'll be the deal. Like, oh or it'll be like a situation, Mark Lotestu, who just retired, like he was on an Oilers power play with Connor McDavid. It's like, what is Mark Lotesto doing there? Because he was the only one who could win a draw in the offensive zone to get the power play started. And he actually had some tidy power play numbers along the way. So I don't know if Benino or Bug said has, has uh, Mark Lotesto power play upside here, but uh, like, I just want to know if they do add a centerman who gets dumped off that line. I, I really don't know if it's even a forward or a defenseman. Oh, yeah. So we haven't even said what it is. I'll just mention. So uh, tweet by Michael Rousseau. Uh, so Kaprizov, Parisi, Fiala, and then two defensemen, Dumba and Spurgeon. So I would imagine if they want to put a center there, they're going to take off Dumba or Spurgeon. If things stay the same the way they are and they figure out one of these people learns how to take faceoffs, I guess. Uh, It'll be Spurgeon. Spurgeon can do everything. Spurgeon. Yeah, he's the captain. 
<laughs> the C on his jersey stands for center. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I do like Matt Dumba to maybe bounce back this year. Like, it's just like a year ago. Like, well, not a year ago, but like at the beginning of last season, people were super high on Dumba, mm-hmm. if you remember, because he had mm-hmm. been injured the year before, except for like a short stint at the start where he was like on fire. He was like breaking out. Then he was injured. Then so last year, everyone thought he'll just continue it. Then it was kind of like, you know, he fizzled out a little bit. Like he still like played decent minutes, but he didn't have a big offensive breakout but now who knows like he's had a lot of time to rest i don't know what, what exactly the problem is but if he's going to be playing like on a power play with fiala and kaprizov you'd think there's points there and also i don't know like and we've seen some upside in the past so i, I like dumba if he's falling late yeah the only thing i don't like is that sharing the power play with spurgeon i feel like yeah. they kind of share power play points a little bit like last year spurgeon got 13 dumba got eight um and they played pretty similar time on ice and they shared that top power play. So I don't know. That's the only thing I don't like about it, but I do think that power play got a little bit better with the addition of Kaprizov, even though no one can take a, f- a face-off draw, but I don't know. I still don't get why we'll they see. traded Stahl for Johansson. Anyways, okay, so let's... Uh, either. Maybe they'll no just all line up outside the face-off dot and like That's race to forecheck the other team <laughs> once the puck is dropped. So they'll clear it and they'll just lose the first 15 seconds of, of every power play opportunity. This sounds like a mighty duck V and just try to block any forward exactly motion. I was exactly thinking the same way. <laughs> okay, let's go to the some more higher scoring teams now to finish off the West. We've got the Sharks, Blues, and Golden Knights. Let's start in San Jose where they're finally healthy. For now, I guess. Uh, I haven't seen any line tweets. The best I found was a tweet from Kevin Kurz today where he wrote, Bugner mentions that Leonard was on a line with Hurdle and Kane and Donato skated with Gregor and Nieto. So I guess reading between the lines, that would mean uh, Meyer with Couture and someone. Um, Oh, and LeBanc, I guess. Probably Meyer, Couture, LeBanc, and then Hurdle, Kane, and this... uh, Leonard, Leonard. I love, Leonard. I, I love Who's when we're Leonard? getting lines that we can't even name. Like, is Leonard a first name or a second name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Googling Sharks Leonard right now. Uh, I'm, John I'm Leonard. I'm already on it. John Leonard. Who? What a so, name. I'm on okay. Cat Friendly. Sounds like a made-up yeah, person. Yeah, he's... Okay. Which, like, so it, he should play for the Devils, who seem to be the, the team who have the most made-up yeah, That's true, people. they do. Uh, that, that's a long-running take from <laughs> anyways. So uh, do like, we the think... Devils roster has long been full of auto-generated guys from NHL video <laughs> games. Okay, so back to the Sharks. So, and forgetting about Leonard, because I doubt that that uh, spot is penciled in for him. Uh, but, like, do we think that so, as a healthy yeah. team, is there more offense to be garnered? Like, if they could have Hurdle and Couture and then Kane and Meyer, like, it's like a lot of good scorers, you would think. Like, they should be able to do well. Or it could be like last year where no one really does anything that's special. Makes me excited for Evander Kane if Hurdle could stay healthy, I think. I think more than anything like that, especially in bangers leagues like that gets me really excited about Evander Kane. And I'm definitely taking Kane pretty early this year in bangers leagues. I mean, aside from his PIMS, he also offers great shots and his shots were down a little bit last year, but not by much. And that probably had to do with just not having a great center situation for the most part. Um, I, I guess Kane is one of the highest ones. I'm definitely betting on a Timo Meyer bounce back. And even last year, I mean, he wasn't great, but he was still pretty good in bangers leagues. Like he still finished at least in my bangers league, like top 50 in rank. So he's still a pretty good option at the end of the day, just given his peripherals. And I do think that they're on a healthy team, quite a bit of upside for Timo Meyer. So I do like that. I think at the end of the day though, with them, I don't see, I think the division is pretty tough outside of, you know, the, the Anaheim and the, and the Kings and whatnot. Outside of that, I think it's a pretty tough division for them. So I think they will be limited on just the ceiling because you're going to run into these Golden Knight games, 
these blues games. And I mean, even the Kings, I think at their best can be kind of stuffy. Right. Uh, so I'm high on them in the sense that I think they'll be better than last year. Do I think they're going to be incredible? No, I think, you know, there's a very good chance. Interesting. Um, hockey viz, Micah, I forgot his last name. How do you say his last name? McCurdy. McCurdy. There you go. Micah McCurdy. He did his uh, season preview and he has the sharks at a 35% chance at finishing last in this division, which was kind of shocking to me. I did not expect it to be that bad. Yeah. He has them as, as the worst in the, in the division, which I found surprising. Yeah, they're um, really bad. Like they might have a, th- they have a thinner or as thin top si- uh, bottom six than the Senators do. Yeah, it's yeah. bad down there. It's brutal. That's true, but I feel like they've got more offensive pieces. Like they should be able to bail themselves out of more trouble more often. I would think. I think so. But they also have then no again, goalie. They, like, signing Devin Dubik no didn't goalie. really help much. Yeah. Um, I was joking with Brandon. What do you do with a goaltender that's like a nine oh six save percentage? You go and sign a goaltender that has a worse save percentage because that, of course, is going to fix all your goaltending woes. Maybe well, yeah, it'll make Jones look better. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it'll <laughs> it'll whole, justify everything. The whole idea of signing Dubnik was just to give Martin Jones confidence. Hey, you're better than this guy. You can do it. And you're was... actually better than another goaltender in the league, believe it or not. You can do this, Martin Jones. You can do this. And we're paying him $2 million a year just to stand next to you so you can feel yes. good about yourself. <laughs> I do Insane. like Burns at his value in most drafts. I, I think, like, yeah, he's getting older. But he's one season removed from an 80-point season, and he's you know, had a, a not great season last year, but it's not like it was horrible when you compare it to the field. So, I mean, most defensemen, if they would have gotten 60-ish points last year, we'd be like, what an amazing year. It's just because Ben right. Burns has set the benchmark so high. So yeah, people are like now writing him off as like a Giordano, like that's gonna like a 40-point defense. Like Burns, like if Giordano does this year what Burns did last year, we'd be like great bounce back for Giordano. Yeah. So yeah, it's all, all and Burns is still likely to like Again, I, I feel like I'm the power play guy, but he's still likely to be double shifted on the power play, which, I mean, he's, it's not, not for nothing. I mean, they, they seem to not really be able to do a whole lot on the power play for whatever reason, but it's helped Evander Kane. I mean, I first, still first a, time he finally got significant power play points was last season, getting right. 18. I'm still a believer in Eric Carlson. I think now he'll be healthy and he'll also help the power play in the offense. So maybe something could happen. I, I, I don't know why. I'm a little surprised that you guys are a little high on Carlson. <laughs> Never would have expected it. Look at this stud right here. Look at you, that stud. For those listening and not watching this podcast, you're missing this out. This audio podcast, Elon <laughs> held a hockey card of Elon of, of, Elon, of Elon Carlson, Carlson. <laughs> of Eric, his Carlson. child. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, yeah I'm going to name my child Elon Carlson. That would make a lot of sense. Okay, all right. So let's go to the St. Louis Blues now. Lots of power play tweets coming out today. A uh, scary-looking top power player right? with Hoffman in the picture. Now you have Shen, O'Reilly, Perron, oh, yeah. Hoffman, Krug. Oh yeah, Krug also new. So like, it's terrifying. Like some, some new players. Like, so we have to build some chemistry, I guess. But when like Jaden Schwartz doesn't make the cut, that just goes to show how good your top power play is. So that's great. And as far as the lines go, Luke Korak had some. I guess it's already yesterday. But so Shen, O'Reilly, Perron, and then. What, what does that leave Hoffman with Shen and Robert Thomas centering, wow. I guess the second line or the first line. So Robert Thomas, if he obviously like eventually Tarasenko comes in and bumps one of these people. Yeah. But again, that means Jaden Schwartz, not in the, this. I don't know. So I'm not drafting Jaden Schwartz from based on these lines that I've been seeing. Although no. I actually saw a tweet the day before with Shen O'Reilly Perron, Schwartz, Thomas Hoffman. So who, who, who's missing there? I don't know. Then Perron was, ugh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited about uh, Thomas. In all the situations, we have Thomas as as a top six center, centering like Hoffman and Schwartz and or... Shen, I think, is the other one. No, I mean, 
I guess Shen could be the other one if they swap in Schwartz. Because it... Uh, well, yeah, like, Shen, yeah. O'Reilly, and Perron. And yeah. then we have Schwartz, Thomas, and Hoffman. It's just like different yeah. configurations of all Yeah, the- they're just I, trying I, that I, out. Strongly think we we will see Shannon and O'Reilly broken up pretty early into the season if it even if they even start like that like they're both good centers I don't, I, I get I like Robert Thomas but I don't know if we, we need Shen on well but on if O'Reilly's you could have wing? but if you could have Shen and Schwartz on the wing or if you can have Shen on the wing instead of pushing Thomas to the third line I mean they have con- I'd rather just put Thomas on the wing right swap him swap him with Shen I don't know. I'm not a coach I, don't know. I, don't know. I mean whatever. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I do. What I do think is that power play one is nasty. It is, it is nasty. Wolfie. Like arguably the best centerman in the league for faceoffs. Um, Perron, who's a power play specialist. Hoffman, who's a power arguable? play goal specialist. Krug, who's a great quarterback, and then Shen, who's a guy. Yeah, poor Jaden think- Schwartz left out in the cold I all know. of a sudden, and like think- not even Tarasenko to keep him company. Yeah. I think Hoffman is going to eat. Yeah, I think he's gonna I think he's feast gonna... with this, especially this division. Oh my gosh, I think he's just gonna explode on this power play. I he does. I do wonder what happens when Tarasenko comes back. If a little him. bit, I don't think. If anything. have you guys been drafting Tarasenko like high in your drafts? Like, what, what are you expecting? The, the latest is like he's gonna get evaluated mid February, which yeah, is like the crazy. most vague thing. Like, what? Is yeah, he gonna be back I've been then, taking or? him. I, I I haven't felt bad if I've missed him. Basically, so I take him somewhere in the early double digit rounds if, if he's still around, but. I, we've been taking him kind of towards the end of the draft. Yeah. So the back half of the, more than the back half of the draft. I mean, probably like thir- round 13 or later, pretty much is what we've been looking at, I think, for that. So that's kind of where we've been taking Terry Sanko. I mean, I love this team. I, I love Hoffman. We've been, we've gotten Hoffman, I think, in two of our three listener leagues so far. Yeah. I think he's, I mean, I think he's going a little bit under. His ADP has been climbing a little bit, but man, I love Hoffman this season. I think it actually values Krug a little bit higher too, uh, ever since the addition of Hoffman, because I think there's someone there that can shoot, which is something I was a little bit worried about before uh, before the acquisition of Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Because Terrence Hoffman was, is such a great acquisition for them. Huge. When do we find out what like when he's passed his tryout? Uh, like, does oh, that, that was just does a, that happen? Right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was a paper. It was yeah, just like a he, paper move. But he hasn't signed yet. No. Like, I'm sure it's gonna happen. I'm just, I'm just curious. That's all. Like, all, all the media I see seems to be just counting him. Yeah, as yeah. Louis they, Blue. they basically have to like move the cap space around to be able yeah. to fit him in. Right? Isn't that a deal? Long term <laughs> yeah. IR movements yeah. and all that good stuff. Yeah, I've never seen anyone get like a PTO and then practice on the top power play and like top <laughs> line. <laughs> so yeah. weird. Yeah, PTO, like a pre-signing. There's some, there's some cap silliness going on right now. Now. All right, so one more team. On PTO. Give me a break. <laughs> one more team in the West here, going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Another super Oof. deep team made that big acquisition of Petrangelo in the summer, and so I guess we could spend our time talking about Petrangelo versus Theodore, or we could spend oh, our time looking at the the lines. Which actually, there was one surprise here to me. So we have Carlson, Marshall, Smith. Uh, skating together today, which is like always. Uh, the last year, first at some points, Carlson was centering Patrick and Stone, but it looks like it was not. Cody Glass centering Pacioretty in stone, at least in today's practice, it was Chandler Stevenson, who's always just there, like ruining things for people because he's not, he doesn't have any fantasy value. He just takes away fantasy value from someone who could have potentially had fantasy value if they were there. Uh, so I, I guess I'm a little lower. I thought Cody Glass now was going to be potentially a top six center and maybe he could get there. Like, I feel like it's the kind of thing where like they'll give him a shot at some point because we're talking about Chandler yep. Stevenson here, but uh, not as exciting right off the bat. And aside from that, everything seems kind of the same. So I'm kind of more interested to get your take on the defenseman. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I just want to say, first off, 
Brandon made the claim in the West preview: the Shea Theodore will have more points than Tori Krug end of the season. <laughs> that might Actually, be a tu- that might be a tough take, but we'll see. I think it's a very tough take. That's a solid hot take. It is like it is a solid. It's not inconceivable. Uh, It's a little out on a limb, but I like it. My hot take on Shea Theater last time was correct. Last season, you know, he was coming off a thirty-seven point season. I said he'll he will cross fifty pace. He was at fifty-three at the end of the season. Nailed it. I I just yeah. I will admit, Brandon is good at hot takes. I'm not going to try to make fun um, of him, but no. (laughs) So. Petrangelo versus Shea Theodore, kind of the, the, the thing on everybody's mind, I think, when they're talking about drafting either one of these guys. Um, I'm very much of the mindset that Shea Theodore is extremely effective at entering the zone on the top power play. And the power play, honestly, is what matters for one of, either one of these guys to be the next level, right? Like anytime you talk about, like, like even more so than forwards, you basically don't draft a defenseman at all unless they're top power play. There's like very few that can do half point per game or better. There's, it's like... Ryan Ellis, and that's it. <laughs> so, um, but Shea Theodore, I think, why would they take top power play away from him when he was so effective at, at zone entries and driving the play, even if they didn't always score so much? Um, it, it seems like he's playing power play one, practicing there right now, which makes sense to me. It's not a guarantee he'll hold it all season if he struggles. Like, they obviously have a great solution in Petrangelo. And Petrangelo is actually one of the other guys like Ellis, who potentially doesn't even need top power play to be effective for even trade points. Um, that said, I wouldn't take Petrangelo over Theodore, except maybe in like a, a league that counts blocks for a lot of points or something points league with like big, big number values on blocks. That probably makes some sense. But, uh, I mean, Theodore shoots like a madman. I mean, he was shooting over four shots, like, like Burns numbers at the, uh, and Dougie Hamilton numbers for that matter, um, at the end of the, of the playoffs. So I, I have a lot, I think he has a ton of upside, uh, especially if you can click on the power play even more. Say the, yeah. Yeah. I have no concerns about Theodore. Like none with Petra. Like, I guess none. what what you sort of suggested, like there's a bit of a shorter leash leash. Uh, let me say there's a bit of a shorter leash. If, uh, if, if Theodore struggles, but like he struggled for half a mm-hmm. season last year, even though everything was going as it should, the pucks just weren't going in for him. And so the golden Knights have been through that with him. I I don't think they, I don't think that what they learned last year was that the solution is to replace him. The solution is that he's really good and all things being normal. uh, He's going to be just fine and better than just fine. So yeah, Petrangelo being in Vegas to me doesn't like, yeah, I I actually like that. It deflates Theodore's draft value a bit. Like I've been in a couple drafts where I've seen uh, Petrangelo go before Shea Theodore, just because everyone's like the the assumption is, Oh, he's going to take over. That's why they got him. That's not why the golden Knights got Alex Petrangelo. They got Alex Petrangelo because they could. That's like the only reason Vegas seems to do anything with like getting Stone and and Pacioretty and now Petrangelo. I mean, and Liner. It's not just because they can. It's because they think it makes them a better team, of course. But um, they they make these moves. They bring in the best players available and obviously it works for them and they're cup contenders again. But I don't think that threatens Shea Theodore's status. I mean, I'd agree. I don't like disagree in terms of like that makes a lot of sense of how it'll play out. But I think it's a little bit like 
I don't know, like out there, just be like, I'm not concerned at all. Like for sure. Well, like, I mean, like we learned last year that even when theater, like last year they didn't have Petrangelo who has proven to be a very strong top power play quarterback. So you've got to at least leave room for the possibility that Landis Scott, or I don't know why I said Landis Scott all of a sudden, but uh, Petrangelo <laughs> ends up quarterback in the top power play. It could happen. So like, just cause you say you don't think it'll happen, but it's not like a 0% chance and hundred percent chance. So I would definitely leave some room for doubt, uh, but maybe that's just me being cautious. I mean, I'd agree. What I a sign about, season, go ahead. No, you go ahead. This is your boy. You know what? I, I You can say it. I'm not even talking my shit. I was going to change the subject real quick before we move you off. Can, but you can change you it. It's okay. No, you change good. it. Good. Yeah. We're done talking my shit at Theodore. All my takes were correct. Um, Chandler Stevenson, uh, if I remember right, he's a decent bango guy. So if he's able to find chemistry on even strength, he might find value late in, in banger leagues, maybe. I don't know. Like I, I, that's, <laughs> I think he, in really deep leagues, I would at least look at him. Because he did show uh, some pretty decent chemistry with them in the playoffs uh, after trading Stone. Eh, he's, he's not that much of a bango guy for what it's worth. Look, look at his it's, postseason because he, oh, he really oh, didn't play okay. much until postseason. Um, he played 14, in, 14 minutes-ish last year. He was on a 92-shot pace, 66-hit pace, and 40-block pace. That's a bango guy to you? In the, in the postseason? No, in the that's postseason, season. Yeah, in postseason, yeah, I'm talking 35, postseason. Yeah, 35 hits in 20 games, so a little bit of an uptick. So it's not, I, I mean, mean that's, over, that's over 100 hit pace, well over. I mean, if you're in a deep enough league, yeah. You if you're in a deep enough league, sure. And it, like a guy centering Stone and Pacioretty, that also gives you some hits. Is yeah, not someone to. He's gonna get Garbo assists, you know. Yeah. Lots of secondary assists, it'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe uh, some okay. butt goals here or there. Maybe some butt goals. <laughs> So you know what, guys? I think we've done a pretty good job here. We've gone through two divisions. It's four of us on a podcast with no yeah. prep and no practice. I don't think we interrupted each other too often. So I'm going to consider yeah. this a raging success. Thank you so much for coming on, Keeping Carlson. Before we jump over to the other podcast feed and record on yours, uh, why don't you tell people how they can find that and all of your other amazing podcasts? Well, you can go to our Twitter at Fantasy Hockey PD is one way. Uh, you can also just go to your favorite podcast provider and look up fantasy hockey podcast or if you prefer to see all our beautiful faces you can go to youtube and type in fantasy hockey podcast and our youtube channel will show up there uh, where we also do some videos so and we you know live stream some drafts and everything so that's the that's the other way to do it but if you just like listening to our voices and hate our faces understandable uh you can also just listen to us on the podcast side that'd be, that'd uh, be my option yeah 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 for sure <laughs> i am brian and i want to just say to all the listeners there's room, by the way, to listen to. If you only listen to us, you don't listen to Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Like we wholeheartedly recommend. If you want to be successful in pa- fantasy, you probably want to be listening to more than just one, yes. subscribe to more than just one fantasy hockey podcast. So why not listen to the one called Fantasy Hockey Podcast? So I listen to them; they're great. So definitely, you want to check it out if you never have. Yeah, I really think we both occupy so, somewhat of a little bit of a different space too. Sometimes with the advice we give, which is really perfect. I think your guys' weekly advice, especially, just completely sometimes i think fits that niche or that hole of what we're missing and sometimes we compliment it's a great it's a great team if you're listening to two fantasy hockey podcasts i'd say it's us too there's, a few, there's some good ones out there too <laughs> so thanks so much again for coming on guys and looking forward to talking to you on the other podcast feed bye